Gator Daily thought we've got some good news. A very bad person has uh, met his demise. Another uh, abusive ex-boyfriend who can't figure out that it's over means it's over. I ran into someone with a firearm that uh, put his uh, put him to rest, so to speak. How about a frat house? Talk about horrible. A frat house actually hung its own Christmas decorations. And the university that this frat house is in, they, they're absolutely beside themselves with horror. Speaking of Christmas and canceling, how about the 10 songs, Christmas songs, that is, that must be canceled immediately, if not sooner. We've got one of the dumbest politicians in United States history. And boy, that's a prestigious list, let me tell you. Uh, but this one is, is, is going around talking about some kooky conspiracy theory that uh, the conservatives are going to start rounding up foreign-looking people. And we're going to take another look from a different perspective. Uh, <clears throat> excuse me, at... Uh, the whole trans athlete thing. Mike McDaniel has what I think is an excellent take and I wanted to share that with y'all. All that and more today on the Daily Gator Daily Thought with me, Doug Hagan. It's the world's most offensive podcast to liberals and leftists, and I am happy to bring it to y'all. Let us kick this pig, my friends. And away we go, my friends. Let's start out that... Uh, Story from Diogenes' middle finger. And if you remember, it's a former senator, not a current senator. She's now a contributor, spokes tool, commentator, agitator, whatever it is. Uh, former Senator Claire McCaskill of the great state of Missouri, the show me state, which Claire McCaskill, in her case, it's the stupid me state. She used to claim that she could see when she took airplane trips. She claimed she could actually see global warming happening in the air outside her windows. Uh, I don't know whether she's this stupid or whether she's just playing to, to continue to be on TV. But she was on, she was on the show of uh, Nicole Wallace, who I got to say, of all the MSNBS trash she's the most offensive to me because she brings herself as this responsible republican and i am a conservative no she's not if she ever was she did it for political reasons nothing else she's as moon batty as they get and she of course has claire mccaskill on from time to time just to prove that as bad as nicole wallace is there's other leftists that are even more loony than nicole wallace but Nicole Wallace is a very smug person. She lies so easily and holds such people with in such a disdainful manner. And she lies so easily about them. Truly, to me, a despicable human being. But uh, Claire McCaskill was on her show, and she had some interesting accusations or thought there. I mean, talk about wild, kooky-ass conspiracy theories. Ain't nobody got anything on the left when it comes to that, my friends. And uh, Dogenous, great for an LSU fan, 
great lady, great blogger, great writer. She she mentioned some of the things that Claire McCaskill said. And she writes, as a disgraced flamethrowing Hillary supporter, former senator from Missouri, Claire McCaskill racked mentally with TDS and never gotten over a losing Senate over losing her Senate seat to a male half her age and twice her intelligence landed where her psychosis would be right at home. MSNBS. Second only to the race baiting lunatic Malcolm Nance in spewing bile and hate. Claire has found a home among gender confused, the race pimps and conspiracy theorists. That's right on MSNBS, my friends. But when it comes to lunacy, No one out does Eau Claire, no sir. Monday, during her regular gig as part of the daily parade of five and dime moon moon battery on Nicole Wallace's sideshow, Claire was going big to end the year with one of her most ridiculous statements ever. Remember, this woman was a two-term United States senator, and I don't know how in the hell she ever got any significant number of votes in a, in a great state like Missouri, which is really uh, such a great kind of conservative-leaning state. <clears throat> but here is the story. MSNBS contributor and former Missouri Senator Claire McCaskill, do I need to mention she's a Democrat, said Monday she believes Republicans could begin enacting, hold on to your hat, Fred, hold on to your conspiracy theory popcorn, kids. This is going to get good. She is accusing Republicans of uh, wanting to start vigilantism laws that would enable Americans to round up people that look like foreigners. That look like foreigners. I don't even know what that would be. I mean, there's so many Asian and Hispanic and black and other ethnicities here. I don't know who, quote, looks like a foreigner in America. Does this woman know anything about the American melting pot? <clears throat> in fact, we have all types of ethnic- ethnicities, religion, races here, and they all get along better than any other country that has basically uh, is the most tolerant on earth, easily. Uh, But referencing the Supreme Court and Chief Justice John Roberts, she said, I think we knew everybody but Roberts is in the tank for the right wing extreme views. I think this vigilantism is going to catch on. These red states are going to do vigilantism laws on immigration, and they're going to empower citizens to go out and round up people that they think look like foreigners. And that's what we are coming to in this country. It is incredibly depressing. Claire McCaskill, you ignorant, ignorant woman. Are you serious? If I was on a show with her, I would have to interject and say, are you on drugs? Are you stupid? Were you kicked in the head by a mule earlier today? Are you this adult? Or are you just a bullshit artist and a conspiracy theorist and a basically a bottom feeder? who's not not fit intellectually to shovel camel dung. This kind of, you talk about dangerous rhetoric over the top rhetoric, the left talks about that all the time. She just accused every Republican out there of being capable and willing and ready to go round up anyone who, quote, looks like a foreigner. 
have you walked around America much? I see lots of Asian people. I don't know whether they're they're visiting here. They're here on a work visa, a student visa. I don't know whether the third or fourth generation Asian who was who they they were born and raised here. Their parents, their grandparents were all uh, here legally. The their great grandparents or great great grandparents immigrated here. Who knows? I see it all the time. And yet Claire McCaskill looks at the same American people and sees, oh my God, they're going to round up the foreign looking people. Uh, <laughs> boy, and, and this is, uh, Diogenes points out, I think it's true, that the reason these nutcases are really getting this nutty is that, uh, you know, Reagan really bugged them. Both Bush presidents really bugged them. But by God, Trump bugged them in a way that I think they made them itch like crazy in places they never even knew they had. And now they're like a lunatic, just rolling around on the floor, scratching themselves and and saying completely inane things, which Claire McCaskill is very accomplished at. Uh, The entire video is at Mediaite if you want to go watch it. Thank you for dodging us his middle finger for that lovely look at the nuttiness of claire mccaskill and understand sadly there's a lot of leftists who believe this crap who literally believe that claire mccaskill is speaking from some position of truth and honesty and well sanity now let's look at a guy who couldn't get it through his head that his ex was done with him Bearing Arms has the story. Cam Edwards wrote this at Bearing Arms. Phenomenal site. Officials in Garden Grove, California, are investigating a shooting that left a 46-year-old man dead. But at that moment, it doesn't appear the shooter will be facing any charges. That could lead to the shocking realization that it's still possible to commit the act of self-defense in California and not get the death penalty. I'm sure the uh, Gavin Newsom administration there in California is working on uh, making self-defense punishable by death. But here's the story. Edwards writes, it was around 11 in the morning last Friday when officers received a call about shots fired inside a gated community called Sycamore Walk. And you have to say Sycamore Walk like that. Sycamore Walk. It's a lovely gated community. No psychopaths here, except for that guy. And now he's dead. You should move to Sycamore Walk, too. We kill bad guys here. Uh, And when they arrived, they found Jeffrey Gomez not doing well. He was sprawled on a stairwell. Uh, Gomez was the ex-boyfriend of a woman who lived in one of the homes in said gated community. And according to witness testimony, had broken into the home before he was shot by the woman's current boyfriend. And as it turns out, this was not the first time that Gomes uh, had broken into the home and assaulted the people inside. Amazing. So he was a long-time serial temper loser or nutcase, whatever you want to call it. Maybe psychopath works. Five days earlier, police were also called to that same location. There was an assault with a deadly weapon. The current boyfriend told officers he was in the kitchen with his girlfriend uh, when Gomes broke in through the back door, charged at him with a knife, and threatened to kill him. 
The current boyfriend was stabbed multiple times in the chest before escaping to a nearby business for help and later was transported to uh, UCI Medical Center for Treatment and Gomes escaped before the police arrived. He had a domestic violence restraining order against him to prevent him from contacting his ex-girlfriend or going to that location, the release said. So this guy just, uh, I didn't know this was even possible. He walked right through a restraining order, you say, and tried to assault, kill, whatever, uh, the new boyfriend and his, his ex who was done with his crazy ass. Amazing. So restraining orders don't stop all crime. Who knew? The girlfriend lives at the house. It wasn't known if the current boyfriend also had been living there. That is from Police Lieutenant Mario Martinez. So basically, as Cam Edwards points out, this couple got the restraining order. They, they did what they could to keep this nut away from them in this gated community. And apparently it didn't work. Uh of course, a protective order doesn't offer much actual protection. It just says, hey, it's, it's equivalent of a judge saying, you can't go near this person within this number of feet from this person. So you have to leave them alone. And of course, if you're a psychopath, a nutcase, a person with a severe temper issue, you're going to blow by what the judge said because you're an evil bastard. And there's another reason here. As Edwards points out, the California gun control laws end up doing far more harm than good uh, to responsible citizens than they do to violent criminals. Under the state's 10-day waiting period, yes, you have to, if you buy a firearm in California, you have to wait 10 days. I'm not sure if that's 10 business days, which would be actually longer, or 10 literal days uh, for gun purchases, even after the woman, uh, her current boyfriend, was knifed by her ex. There was no legal way for either of them to obtain a firearm for self-protection without having to twiddle their thumbs for more than a week, not because it takes that long to conduct a background check, but because the state and all of its dumbassery has decided that forcing people to wait 10 days before they can take possession of a firearm will somehow deter violent crime or suicides. Again, waiting periods are the dumbest thing ever. So anyway... We, it's not clear. I read the piece. Cam Edwards doesn't doesn't think it's clear either. If the boyfriend owned a gun before the ex decided to break in the home and stab him, uh, but the police aren't charging him. He did shoot the gun when he came back. So this guy who stabbed him, they got a restraining order. He came back again, and this time the man was armed, shot him, and uh, killed him. Good. The bad guy's gone. And this is kind of a, it's a pretty common story. The ex that can't give it up. Usually it seems it's a man. I'm sure there's women too uh, who are, have stalker issues. Uh, I know I had an ex once that, uh, well, the reason we became an ex was because she saw me talking to a co-worker. We worked at the same place. Uh, she drove by on one of her days off, and I was outside talking to a female who also worked there. We were just chatting. We were just talking. And uh, she then went to the woman's house and 
well, should we say she selectively deflated this woman's tires and wrote some very nasty things on the car. Uh, so at that point, I told her, don't come back here. Forget you know me. Leave. Don't come back. Uh, do yourself a favor. Stay away. And she did. So it's not always a man. It seems like it is. But the woman breaks it off and he can't let go. He's a control freak, whatever. And a lot of women are killed that way by some ex, some abusive ex. And in this case, the good person got the bullets and is no longer amongst living, which is a wonderful thing. A wonderful thing. Um, and that is that story. I thought there was one more piece I wanted to talk about in this. It doesn't say that I can see uh, if he actually, the abusive ex actually is, is gone. It talks about him charging the boyfriend with a knife and then him getting shot on, on a, another time coming to that location. I can't see that he was killed. But it does talk about him in the past tense. So I'm assuming... Um, Assuming that's the case. Anyway, enough for that story. Self-defense works, even in Mark's California. And yes, restraining orders, they're about as strong as the paper they're written on, frankly. <clears throat> so I would advise you uh, to look into self-defense if you have an ex, a crazy ex, who's stalking you and can't seem to let go and get over it and move on. Uh, you might want to consider uh, some type of armed self-defense and, and getting a firearm and training with it, becoming proficient, uh, understanding the laws, uh, things of that nature. But uh, don't think a restraining order is going to save you necessarily. Now, something horrible I have to talk about. Now, this is this is very, very ugly stuff. I can't believe I even have to talk about things that are so horrible. Campus Reform has this story. Apparently, uh, a frat house at Emory University did committed a heinous act. They hung up a Christmas wreath. I know, stunning, shocking. That, that still happens in this modern-day woke America. A fraternity landed in trouble with Emory University for decorating its house with a wreath and you might want to have the kids leave the room. They also put up garland. Yes, I know. I know. I know. Terrible. Robert Schmad, uh, the senior Georgia campus correspondent for Campus Forum, wrote this. Fraternity and sorority students at Emory University are not allowed to hang their own exterior Christmas decorations. That policy was news to members of Atlanta University's Alpha Tau Omega fraternity when Josh Gamzee, assistant director of sorority and fraternity life, informed the chapter on December 3rd that its wreath was a violation of school policy. Since this is a second violation of the policy, an incident report will be submitted to the Office of Student Conduct 
uh, Gasby wrote in an email obtained by campus reform. Emory policy states exterior holiday decorations must not be installed or removed by students. Violators of this policy will, fla- will face disciplinary action. I wonder if that would include paddling. I don't know. Maybe that could see if they would would punish them by paddling them. Then they could, all, could also get credit for their uh, bondage bondage in S&M major they're probably taking at Emory University now. Uh, and then when they get out of school with that, they'll wonder why the hell they can't get a job. But I've got a master's degree in bondage and, uh, and a corporal punishment in the bedroom. That doesn't do anything for my resume. What the hell? I can't get a real job. Uh, and if they could, it would be found in California, I imagine. Uh, housing operations must, must handle installation and removal according to the policy. Yeah, those Christmas decorations can be really tough to put up. You have to plug them in sometimes. You could electrocute yourself. You could fall off a ladder, or maybe you're standing on a chair in the kitchen or the standing on the couch and you fall. My God, what if you fall on the cat? The cat needs surgery. That's why you must have the professionals at Emory University hang and unhang, take down and put up all your Christmas decorations. Uh, Davis Van Inwigen. He is ATO's House Improvement Chair, told Campus Forum that this rule is new and that the fraternity was not sufficiently informed by the university about the change. Uh, In a separate December 3rd email obtained again by Campus Reform, Gamzee informed Van and Wigan that the the fraternity was an outdated version of of the policy. This is the one that is currently up on the housing website that refers to the Housing policy page on Emory's website. Bannon Wagon told Campus Reform that ATO did not know the policy was outdated because a Google search directed its members to an old set of regulations that did not contain the exterior installation restriction. Good God. You know what this calls this? Well, incompetence, moon battery, buffoonery, asshattery, uh, the the nanny state, and of course, lots and lots and lots and lots of red tape that had everyone confused, no one knowing what the hell they were doing. That's why red tape is bad, my friends. And the more red tape you get, the worse things get. This leads to this micromanaging, often by people who are, these aren't the best people to have micromanaging abilities because they're very petty people. Many times they're control freaks. They're the crazy roommate you had for a while when you were younger, maybe in college, maybe uh, after that a little bit, you had a roommate for a while and the roommate would flip out if you washed the dishes in the wrong order because you had to do, you got to do the plates first. You got to wash plate. You can't wash bowls before plates. What's wrong with you? Not that I had a roommate like that that was that crazy, but I knew somebody that literally got into disagreements over the order of dishes, the the order the dishes were washed in, if you washed them by hand. And it was like a buddy of mine who who had the issue, he was a person that said, you know, it was like a plate, a knife, a fork, and a little, uh, little glass here. 
you don't need to open the dishwasher and put them all in there and let it sit. He would just put, take some soap and a sponge and wash them, rinse them, put them up to dry, and then he'd put them up later. And that, that led to problems, apparently. But it's people like that, oftentimes, they get put into positions of power at, uh, well, homeowners associations, <laughs> the ultimate care and hangout. And a lot of times, the leftist positions like this, they're very petty people who cannot stand stand that you dare to put up your own damn Christmas decorations or you dare to take them down yourself. Who do you think you are? I think they're college students. They're probably capable of doing it. If morons like this would stay out of the way. And it goes into the rules a little bit. Uh, <laughs> holiday decorations. Students are welcome to decorate for the holidays. All lights must be U-L-E-T-L or C-P-S-C approved. Live cut trees, candles, and paper slash plastic wall coverings are not permitted in residential facilities. Students observing traditions involving candles should work with the Office of Spiritual and Religious Life to identify spaces where candle use may be permitted. Uh, Flame-resistant artificial trees are permitted Exterior lights may be hung during the winter holiday season and removed by January the 15th. LED lights are preferred. Please note that the light display should be in good taste. And if they are deemed to be unacceptable, will be removed. So I guess that light display ahead of the hooker and Santa Claus would not have been appropriate. It would have been frowned upon. Yes, frowned upon. And you can go read the whole piece of campus before, my friends. Just some of the absurdity the left blesses us with every single day. And how about, since we're talking about Christmas and objectionable things, let's go look at 10 Christmas songs that the Federalist insists uh, must go away forever. Forever, I say. Uh, Sean Fleetwood wrote this and he brings back this memory of remember a few years ago it was a baby it's cold outside and it was a song that it wasn't just an innocent song about seduction and a man trying to woo a woman and it wasn't that no it was it was it was sexual harassment it was rape it was horrible it was victimizing women it had to go and a lot of radio stations immediately, oh my God, what do we do? An idiot's offended, so we got to stop everything. We, you know, we have to put our lives on hold to appease the idiot, which is the stupidest thing you can ever do. That was back in 2018. But there are songs, he says, like Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer. On its face, Rudolph sounds like a nice, elegant Christmas tune that your kids will enjoy. But a further investigation into the song's lyrics reveals just how problematic this old-time classic truly is. Take, for instance, lines like, All of the other reindeer used to laugh and call him names. And they never let poor Rudolph join in any reindeer games. Which blatantly glorifies bullying of those who are different. What's more, the other reindeer and Santa decide that Rudolph has some semblance of worth only after they use him as a flashlight to guide them through the wave of fog, disrupting their Christmas Eve delivery. Not to mention the fog was probably caused by climate change. 
And it's another sign that we must do away with all air conditioners, heaters, electricity, and all walk to work barefoot in the snow both ways if necessary. And give all our money to a bunch of rich people who will then magically end climate change as they know it. And who can ignore the undertones of animal abuse pervasive throughout the entire song? The idea that Santa, that white privileged bastard Santa, can just brutally force these magical creatures into a life of indentured servitude is beyond repulsive. It serves as one of the many reasons this song has got to go. Now, Frosty, Frosty the Snowman to be specific, is a song that perfectly encapsulates the patriarchy that has dominated the evil American society and the equally evil Western civilization. Not only do the writers assume Frosty's gender, shouldn't we ask Frosty if uh, his snow penis is really there or really a penis or he identifies it as something else? After all, gender's fluid, remember? So when Frosty melts, his gender really will be fluid. Not only do the writers assume Frosty's gender is male identifying by including those damn he and his pronouns in the lyrics, but they also dismiss any inclusion of snow birthing persons. I don't know if that's people who give birth to snow or give birth in the snow. I'm not sure anymore, but they also dismiss any inclusion of snow birthing persons. Such sexism is emblematic of the patriarchal oppression. All snow birthing persons facing their daily lives and professional careers to put the cherry on top. The writers also found it acceptable for Frosty to have two eyes made out of coal. The incorporation of filthy fossil fuel demonstrates a continued ignorance of the dangers posed by the ongoing climate crisis. What bastards were behind that? And don't even get me started on I, I saw mommy kissing Santa Claus. Did Santa give her permission before she attacked him and forcibly kissed him? Or maybe Santa kissed her. Maybe she didn't give permission. Maybe neither one of them gave the other one permission before they kissed each other. What if uh, what if Santa Claus wants to be on the Supreme Court? Hell, they let Brett Kavanaugh in there and you know what he was accused of doing. Go read the whole thing at the Federalist, my friend. It is good stuff. Go read it all. It uh, is, well, it's it's very funny, very humorous, but it's also very sad. Uh, and some of the songs, one, you know, White Christmas had to be there, right? That's right. White Supremacy Christmas. It just gets eviler and eviler. And now one more story, my friends. Just one more. And now, my friends, the one more story to close us out with Mike McDaniel's thoughts and some of mine on trans athletics. Just the whole, whole thing. Not just the Penn women's swim team, but this idea that there really is no gender. And we're going to get into that right after I clarify something I screwed up in the first part. Here, I screwed it up. I apologize. Uh, the man that was shot and killed in California while trying to break into his ex-girlfriend's home. Uh, it is in the story, Garden Grove, California, 
a shooting that left this 46 year old man D E A D dead. Um, and it was self-defense. It was apparently the new boyfriend of this woman. He had broken in the home before attacked the man, stabbed him multiple times. And then five days later, at the same location, his girlfriend's new home or the boyfriends, they were living together, cohabitating. I, I'm not sure about that. But five days earlier, here's another point I needed to make. Not only clarifying the man is dead, good. But if he assaulted this guy uh, and stabbed him uh, with a deadly weapon, a knife, and five days later, he's back if he was how could you stab somebody multiple times in the chest um again the boyfriend was stabbed multiple times in the chest by this man why was the man out of of jail why was he not stuck in with bail that was exceedingly high but just five days after almost killing this guy and when you stab somebody multiple times in the chest you're trying really hard to kill them so why was he out? Go back to the same old theme, same old theme, not taking violent crime uh, seriously enough. Not high enough bail, uh, not extenuating circumstances, nothing. Just rotating door on the jailhouse. It's, it is horrible. So he tried to kill him. Five days later, he's back. And this time the, the boyfriend had a firearm and shot and killed him. Uh, and I got a little confused over uh, the fact of uh, the 10-day waiting period in California. Uh, anyway, that's my fault. I just want to clear that up before I get into final segment here. Uh, the man that attacked the couple is gone. He's dead. He got out of jail, and apparently just five days, he was able to go in the same place, a gated community, and, and try to kill him again. He was shot. He is gone. So that is settled. My apologies. I should have I should have done that more professionally. Okay. Now on to Stately McDaniel Manor. An absolutely phenomenal blog. And he's written very, very, very brilliantly about trans athleticism. And his piece is entitled Trans Athletes. Men are better than women. This was written on Friday. He writes, it's now clear. Men are better than women at everything, including being women. We are assured men are <clears throat> birthing persons, apparently fully capable of giving birth, which must mean that they have all the reproductive organs of women, including, you know, that one that starts with a V. I'm not sure where these birthing persons put all that stuff, but they are also capable of chest feeding. All the smart people say so, so it must be in there somewhere. But nowhere <clears throat> is male superiority more obvious than in women's or men's, uh, trans, or something's sports. And the coaches involved are so very, very proud of their role in an epic fraud. 
Leah Thomas, here and after referred to by his actual name, Will, because he's a guy, like Jake from State Farm, was for three years a second team swimmer at Penn. Second team means uh, junior varsity, not ready for the prime time, no chance of the medal stand, no name in any record book, anywhere, no fame, no fortune, just one of thousands of collegiate athletes who may or may not have a small athletic scholarship and who have no chance at a professional sports career. They do it because they enjoy their sport and the travel and the competition opportunities it affords or simply because they've always been athletic and it's what they do. It's their identity. Imagine, gentle readers, you are one of those thousands and you are not satisfied. You see the stars, the winners, the people whose names will be in the record books at least for a few years, people whose names everybody knows, people who get their pictures in media, people with full-ride scholarships, a guaranteed college degree with or without any academic effort. effort. It's just not fair, damn it. And plus, these athletes also get all the hot college chicks. <laughs> Junior varsity? <laughs> no. It's just not fair. Why should they get to win just because they had that one in a million chance genetic endowment that allows them to be stronger and faster than everybody else? No matter how hard you work, how long you train, you're never going to be that strong or fast. Nature has conspired against you, and it's just not fair. Once upon a time, within memory, you'd be stuck. You'd have no chance for fame and public adulation. No one was ever going to praise you for your superior morality or epic bravery because you were neither moral nor brave. You were just another also-ran athlete uh, with no way to be more ever. It was not all about you and never would be. You were stuck living up to the expectations, the reality of others, rather than forcing them to live up to your expectations and your reality. And then, miracle of miracles, the world turned upside down. Suddenly, confused, even mentally ill individuals no longer had to suffer in silence. Doomed to be nothing special. Forever just another face in the athletic crowd. Suddenly there was a way, a way that didn't require ability or even hard work. Nothing more than one already had or did. To vault to the medal stand, to win and set records, get scholarships, and to be praised for saint-like morality and stunning bravery. To be admired, and better yet, to be immune from criticism. God, that sounds perfect, doesn't it? McDaniels writes, It wouldn't be necessary to lift a finger to explain or defend the media, the entertainment world, politicians, university administrators, faculty, coaches, and everybody that mattered would absolutely self-righteously defend your honor. Never mind you didn't have any of that and punish anyone foolish enough to resent your brilliance. Like the teammates, you suddenly gained the ability to easily beat. All you had to do was pretend to be female. Unfortunately, that only works if you're male to begin with. Damn biology. There's no advantage to being female and pretending to be male. 
Everybody knows men are bigger, stronger, and faster than women. A quick glance at the record books makes that more than clear. It just is. It's reality, real reality. College coaches know it too. <clears throat> they want, above all, to win. Winning means job security, more money, maybe even a transfer to a bigger school, and even more money and more job security, and maybe even fame and fortune beyond coaching. Oh, sure, they talk about hard work and honor and integrity and all that locker room speech nonsense, but what really matters is winning. And they're going to ride the trans wave to fame and fortune because even one guy pretending to be one girl can turn their team into a winner, and winning is all that counts. Too bad. So sad about the actual girls who have worked so hard, given up so much for so long to make it to the big leagues of college sports, but that's just the way it is in 2021. Compared with that, what do their feelings or their futures really matter? They're just girls, not make-believe girls. And circa 2021, nothing matters more than the feelings of a tiny handful of make-believe girls. There's no political advantage in supporting actual women who knows if that will ever change? Oh, and I'm sure when it gets to the point where uh, the left benefits from it, somehow it will change. I'm sure it will. Once upon a time, pretending to be female to gain an advantage in sports would have been called, what's that word? Oh, yeah, cheating. But that's so yesterday, so transphobic and normal and flyover country. Once upon a time, no one would have bought that. They would have seen it not only as cheating, but fundamentally unfair, even absurd. Once upon a time, people, even coaches, would have would have held the welfare of their female athletes as their highest priority, but again, no more. And I urge you, my friends, I think you know where this is headed, and I'm sure this will trigger a great many people who are woke and defenders of this insanity called wokeism. Uh, remember when political correctness was just about saying, we can't really, we can't really say chairman because we don't say chairwoman. So they just have to say the chair and we really can't say mailman, even though they deliver the mail because women do it now. So, it has to be a, a postman or no, it can't be a postman it has to be a, maybe a mail delivery specialist. I don't know. Remember all that, the fake angst, kind of the, the, the beginnings of what we know now as political correctness, which morphed into war to wokeism to this absolute cancel culture insanity where every word you type, write or utter, can absolutely destroy your life if the wrong person hears it, takes it the wrong way, and if enough people tweet about it or post about it on Facebook or some other social media platform. Literally, if the wrong news outlet gets news of it. And hell, it's not just that like you can type something, write something on Tuesday, and by the following Tuesday... There's, there's heat building against you, and you might lose your job. We're talking about what you said or typed 20 years ago or 25 or 30 years ago. Hell, you could have been 13 when you put that on there. You could have been 16. You could have been an egghead teenager. That's because most teenagers are eggheads. 
in certain ways anyway. And that could ruin your life, ruin your career. This is the other side of it. This is the side of people who are taking advantage of it. And I never really thought about it until I read this piece by Mike McDaniel. He lays it out very, to me, very convincingly, very effectively. A lot of this is I can look, I can play the look at me game with me being the me I want everyone to look at. And it can lead to who knows TV appearances, book deals, maybe, uh, maybe some newspaper pays you to write some columns for them. Maybe sports illustrated wants to celebrate you as athlete birthing person of the year or something. Who knows? That's what this is. In part, it's a business. This is a new industry, the victimhood industry. And it doesn't really matter what side you're on, what side gets victimized. If you can actually be a victimizer and play the victim like these trans athletes do, some of them, that's that's money in your pocket, isn't it? Think about it. I mean, when does this hit the Olympics? We all know that the best college athletes in swimming and sports like that, a lot of times they get to go to the Olympic trials. When are we going to have a really serious case where uh, this transgender male decides he's really a woman? He's had some hormone shots. He's had uh, a little bit of therapy. So he should be able to compete against the girls. He knows he can't make it on the men's side. He just wouldn't be good enough. But he can make it on the women's side. And the way our media is today, the media would elevate and celebrate this person. Anyone like that would be celebrated. I could see it now in bold type headlines. The world's first Olympic gold medalist who is transgender, uh, identifies as a, a trans woman, a trans man, whatever the case may be. And the madness will become more mad. And then we'll find more ways to cheat the system. It's all in how you identify. It's not, it's, it's not what you are physically or medically or biologically speaking. It's what you identify as. In the state of Virginia, Northern Virginia, the, the obsession with the school board there at a couple schools, high schools, was transgender bathrooms. Then we find out that a girl was raped by a boy, a 15-year-old boy wearing a dress, but he was using a transgender bathroom because it's all about his identity. The fact that he raped this girl, the school board tried to cover it up, and part of the cover-up was, we'll just, we'll just send him to another school. And by God, guess what happened to another high school girl at this other school with a transgender bathroom? the virtue signaling neon idiots wanted. But that's okay. It's just a couple of 15, 16 year old girls. They get raped. So what? That's what the left says. This is real progress. Transgender bathroom sends a signal that you are woke, that you accept diversity. Diversity is a good thing, but 
the left has taken diversity to dimensions no rational human being would ever consider taking them to. It's not just your actual gender, it's the gender you identify with. See, the plumbing doesn't matter. Your physical appearance, your physical uh, organs that you have don't matter. It's how you identify. And pretty soon, if that continues, there will be no standards for anything. Will there? Why even have gender mentioned? Maybe it will come to that day. But for right now, women athletes are being cheated against. Why not take this to tennis? I mean, hey, we've got a, a, a situation now where possibly the three greatest men's players in tennis, uh, Djokovic, Nadal, and Federer, all have 20 major championships, 20 Grand Slam championships in tennis. And Djokovic will probably have the most at the end. He's the youngest. But we have these three men who have the most 20 apiece. Well, wouldn't it... Think how many they could have if they could go compete on the women's side. I mean, hey, as good as Martina Navratilova or Chris Everett was in her day, uh, as good as uh, the the Williams sisters, especially Serena Williams, so I think has more grand, more championships, Grand Slam championships than any player of any gender. Why should she just have to play other women? These men can be birthing people too. Hell, they might be able to get 30. I mean, that's isn't that why tennis has set up different rules for men and women? The men play three out of five sets. The women play two out of three sets. That's sexist. That's, that's, uh, that's a gender obsession syndrome. We can't have that. It's all in how they identify. It's all in how they identify. Of course, I doubt that Nadal and Federer and Djokovic would ever do that because they're 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 apex competitors. They really are, just like the, the ladies on the women's side are apex uh, competitors. They want to be the best, and I guarantee you, if you ask every woman who's at the top in the tennis game right now, could you beat? You're you're the best right now. In your prime, your very best, Serena Williams, could you beat Federer or Nadal or Djokovic? And she'd probably be, if she was honest, she'd say, no, there's no way. There's a physical difference between man and woman. But that's another line we've now erased, or at least are busy erasing. And the consequences? God knows, my friend. God knows, and God knows what the next thing will be what the next thing will be that, that the left comes up with to totally destroy everything. Uh, anything that is commonsensical, anything that smacks of conservatism, capitalism, uh, colorblind, judging people by their character, not their, not their color or now identity. Anything that argues with that has to go. And we are absolutely going to wake up one day and we're going to remember that we've now destroyed competitive sports. Absolutely 
made them meaningless. If this doesn't stop, go read the whole piece at um, uh, Stately McDaniel Manor. It is excellent. Uh, Very good stuff. Please go read it, my friends. And I am done for the day. Thank you for listening. I appreciate you. Whether you listen in the morning, in the afternoon, at night, I appreciate it. God bless you. The uh, three golden rules of life I always reference. Go Gators. God bless America. And yes, yes, if you're left, you just can't be right. Again, thanks for listening. Uh, If you want to support thedailygator.com or uh, this podcast, you can become a monthly subscriber here at Anchor. Or you can go to thedailygator.com on the first post, hit the button that says uh, buy now, and you can make a donation there to the Daily Gator. Thank you again. I appreciate it. Take care of yourself. I'll talk to you tomorrow. And I'll have some more exciting things to talk about. And hopefully, hopefully, maybe someone out there listens and goes, damn, I never thought of it that way. Maybe I need to re-examine my the beginning of my journey into being woke like i always say if you're woke you need to go take a damn nap god bless we'll talk to you tomorrow my friends take care of yourselves behave but still have fun that's the key to life my friends take care